So just bear with us as we're trying this new thing. And we're just going to see. I'm giving, uh, you know, opportunity. There we go. Bring some more up here. The kids will come in afterwards and take all that candy. I know. And I might take all the money. So I don't know if... But we're trying, we're doing the worship thing, I mean the offering thing that way, just because, again, we, we recognize that giving is a, is a part of worship. It's response. It's not something we should be apologizing for. It's not something that we need to shy back from. And we know that people have been wounded by that. But we're established enough that people who know us, who love us, who, who get our vibe, know that we're not about money. We're about building the kingdom of God. We're about furthering God's kingdom. And the reality of that is it takes resources to do that. And so um, that's kind of why we're kind of moving in this direction um, and you heard me mention earlier that we're having um, Barry, and Kissel, Barry and Mary Kissel come from uh, St. Mary's the first week of June for a conference that we're going to do on the Holy Spirit. And it's going to be a weekend conference starting on Friday. And the last session will be on, on um, Sunday morning with breakouts and seminars during the day, all in an effort to better um, educate us and speak to us about um, the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit. Um, today, I'd like to briefly talk about this uh, idea of worship, and I've talked about it already a little bit, but I want to talk about, um, there's a Watchman Knee article that I posted last night on the city that uh, Paul had some of the staff read and the worship team read that really was very challenging, and so um, if you're not on the city, you need to go on the city and read the whole article, because what he says is much more clearly communicated than what I'll have time to talk about this morning, but, but basically, he makes the case that... Um, you know, it's real easy for us to become, you don't have to run. You might, like, give birth. If you start running, it's just my, like, we're having a baby. That saved me from having to do any talk at all. But anyway, um, but watch when he talks about how easy it is for us to get caught up in ministering to people, doing acts in service for the Lord at the expense of ministering to the Lord. Okay, and he and he and he uses this. Um, and he, he takes us to the scripture of Ezekiel, which I want to get to today, of uh, Ezekiel forty-four, where it talks about the difference between outer court worship and inner court worship. And um, the reason I was kind of led in this direction was because, like I said, like as a staff, we just, we have just seen God blowing up when we come together and worship together as a staff. And um, like I said, we clear all these chairs out. Uh, sometimes if, if we don't have enough people, we'll just like make little pockets within the chairs that we can kind of do our thing in. And, uh, and we just come here and in the midst of worshiping God, we turn the music so loud that you can't hear anybody and we turn off all the lights so that you can't see anybody. Just encourage an opportunity to kind of abandon ourselves to the, to the Lord and kind of go for it. And, um, and, uh, in that space, we've just seen God show up in our lives and uh, one of the things that we've seen God do is that there will be people, you know, weeping and, like, broken and God ministering to them. And we'll hear other people, like, full of joy running around and screaming freedom and taking their shirt off and, and doing different things, you know, and, uh, and worship, as they worship the Lord. And that's, that's all about, I mean, whenever you see me kind of dancing now and trying to find my own space, it's because I've experienced this power and this transformation that comes in worship. Believe me, I am like, okay, I'm an evangelist. We have new people coming to church. I don't want to go too crazy because I'm the one who's normalizing everything, right? But I just can't, I can just tell you that the reason I feel drawn to dance and worship now is because I've been blessed by God when I worship alone. I'm like, I'm not going to stop that if that's been a blessing to me. I mean, this week, um, I came to God 
And uh, we had some really stuff, tough stuff happen this, this past week. I met with someone who was in a really difficult place, prayed for them. They just lost all hope. Someone had been in ministry. Someone had planted churches and was just desperate. And I'm like, I had no answers except come to River City. God's showing up there. He wants to heal you, wants to bless you. And then I come in and on Tuesday, and Martha's like, here's the financial report. And it was like a ton of bricks just, just fell on me and crushed me. And then Wednesday, I was speaking twice, and I, had this, I felt this, like, this oppression on me. I didn't know what else to do. So I like, closed my office door, cranked up my computer, worshiped as loud as I could. I'm literally like bouncing around in my office like, to where people couldn't see through my blinds and see me. I was like in my little desk, like in my little, you know, where you see me do the, the video blog I do every week that's on the city. And um, I'm just dancing around. And in that place, I, everything goes away. The oppression just left. And my hip, it's the only time my hip doesn't hurt. The only time, listen to this, the only time my hip doesn't hurt is when I'm jumping around and worshiping. I can't explain it. I cannot explain it. And so, and so in that place of desperation and of frustration of, of I don't know where the money's going to come from. I don't know how to minister to this person. I don't know how I'm going to do this, this, and this. I just have learned I'm going to worship in those places. And so our effort today in the direction of worship and to teach on it is because we see, we see this reality that we can't explain. Well, why would worshiping the Lord do that? Well, how is that possible? And Ezekiel talks about it. I got this email from someone this week that prompted all this too. And the email says this. For the last couple of months, I've, read, I've, re- I've asked the person if I can say this too. For the last, pers- uh, last couple of months, I've really had a desire I've really had a desire and have asked God to radically transform me, empower me, and just rock my world. But I felt like God's not hearing me or not delivering. Part of my reasoning is that I've been on such an emotional roller coaster for the last couple of years that I don't think God believes I'm ready for more of him. Lots of doubt, lack of faith and trust, struggles with past behaviors, etc. Like I'm disqualifying myself, although I think that's not true. Anyway, listening to something you said about Sunday, when I, I spoke last Sunday about God's desire is not to hear us say, I'm sorry, but for he, us to hear him say, I love you. When he responds to us in love, his desire is for us to say, I love you back. And that in that intimacy, we find relationship that brings peace and freedom in our life. And they said, I'm t- I've heard this, and I'm wondering, what would it take for God to knock my socks off? If you're not empowered, then what would it take? If I'm not empowered, Antley, what would it take was their question. If I'm not feeling that, what do I need to do? My question is, despite me not spending daily prayer time and getting into the word the way that I should, what do you think it would take for God to knock my socks off? I'm tired of living the plugging away at life and achieving nothing with kingdom value mentality. And I read that and I thought, man, how many of us, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because that's a vulnerable thing to do right now because the lights are back up. But how many of us, I know I relate to that. You know, we, we hear sermons, we hear people talk, we read scripture and we're like, I want that. God, I want that in my life. I'm tired of just plugging away. I'm tired of dealing with the same sin. I'm tired of this. You know, have I disqualified myself? Have I, am I doing something wrong? I want more of God, Antley. I want more power. I want more relief in my life. I'm tired. Why isn't God empowering me like Scripture says? 
And then there's a giveaway. I'm going to answer his question today for all of us. He says, my question is, despite me not spending daily prayer time and getting into the word. Antley, despite me not spending any time with God and worshiping him, is there anything else that I'm doing that could be screwing this up? Now, I'm not a great theologian in your eyes, but I am in mine, okay? And I'll say this. The answer, if you are feeling that way, is start worshiping God. Start spending time with God. If you're not spending regular time with God, don't expect to be empowered by him. Because odds are that if you're not spending time with God, you're not worshiping God. If you're not worshiping God, then you're worshiping yourself. And that's idolatry. And we know that the king of the universe is not going to help you build your kingdom. Right? We know that the king of the universe is all about himself. God is all about himself. He is selfish about himself. He loves himself more than anything. He is so narcissistic that it's a juxtaposition between how you think about him probably. I don't know if that made sense. I just want to throw it in there. But there is this picture of God in Scripture that says and communicates to us, I am the living God. I am the King of kings. I am the Lord of lords. I am your creator. You worship me and you will be blessed. You do not worship me and you will be destroyed. We see this pattern starting in the Old Testament. The Ten Commandments are actually a covenant. It's like a treaty that he signs with the nation of Israel, establishing, I am the one God. You will worship me and worship me alone. It's the beginning of this covenantal relationship, this relationship between the king and his servants. And it traveled through, fulfilled by Jesus Christ. And this reality for us, he still desires. You can't serve two masters, Jesus says. It's either me or the world. He says money, but I wasn't going to go there. He says me or money. And so the theme is true today. If you're not spending time worshiping God in the inner court, in the holy of holies, worshiping him, there is no way when you go to the outer court that you're just going to be able to turn it on and go for it. How can you know what your marching orders are if you're not listening to your commander, if you're not spending time with your commander? I would say the only thing that's required to be empowered by God to be filled with the Spirit, to bring healing and transformation and restoration is spending time with God on a regular basis. Well, and that sounds like religion. You know, we're not about religion at River City Church. You know, we want, we're about freedom. We're about joy. Folks, freedom and joy come from Jesus. They come from spending time with Jesus. The pain in our life the healing in our life that we desire, the brokenness that we bring to God today, he says, it only goes away when you come to me. Bring me your burdens. Bring me what is heavy in your life. Bring me your brokenness. So if we're not bringing those things to God, how would we expect to experience his freedom, to experience his joy, to experience his life? Now, I will say this. It's not a formula. You know, many of us, a lot of us Pharisees and Sadducees that are in the room, have grown up in the Bible Belt. We've grown up in church all the time. And for you, it has been a checklist. 
It has been a religion for you. If I just have my quiet time, I'll pray an hour, I'll fast on Mondays, and I'll go to church. If I do all those things, then God will bless me. Well, no, 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 no. Who are you worshiping still? Yourself, your plan. You know, one of the things we did today was help you experience a freedom that comes when we're kind of outside of ourselves. You know, when I'm jumping around on the side, I can't dance. I wish I could dance. I really do. Every time I try to dance and worship, it like goes back to the 80s, kind of, you know, like. And it just, Lex just laughs at me, and it can't happen. So I've like made up some of my own dance moves. Like, there's like the bounce. I can, I'm a, a musician, so I can kind of jump to the rhythm. I'm like, I'm dancing now. And then if I really get crazy, I'm like doing the worship angel. Woo! You know, it's like a mini jumping jack. It's like a, instead of a snow angel, there we go. But when I'm doing that, I'm like, that's outside. Like, that's not how I normally respond to God. And I'm just saying, God, I want to abandon myself to you. And I can just say, in that place, I felt healing. In that place, I've been freed. In that place, I felt joy. And so, to the person and to all of us who want more of God, my response is, let's begin to worship him. Let's begin to not only worship him on Sundays, but every day of the week, we should be coming before him in worship. And I'm not saying like in your little cubicle, like crank up the music or put headphones on and like dance in your office. I'm not saying that. But you need to find in a regular way an opportunity to worship God every day of your life. That's the freedom that Jesus bought with his blood. In the Old Testament, we see You know, people have them bring like oxes and goats and cows and birds and rams and lambs. Like, imagine that. Like, okay, I want to feel, I want to experience freedom in Christ today. You think you got it bad, like driving to work. Come on, honey, get the fatted calf. You know, and like, they're taking the calf down in the middle of, you know, Jerusalem. Like, wonder what they did. They got the fatted calf. They must have really screwed up. And they're, well, we, we, we don't care what people think. We don't care what people think of us. Okay, obviously, we're going to make a sacrifice. We're going to make an offering because we screwed up somehow, right? So everyone's knowing your business and your junk. You're bringing your animals to be slaughtered so they know something, but they don't care. They're like, we need freedom from this sin. And so they bring into the outer courts this animal in the hopes that they have to slaughter and kill and the priests are going to help them because they want freedom. And what Christ has done for all of us has made it as easy as All right, Jesus, I'm ready to worship. Let's rock and roll. That's it. No one's got to know your junk anymore because he is the high priest. He is the one who's the mediator now. It's his blood that's been sacrificed in the new covenant so that we can find freedom in life. Anywhere, anytime, anyhow, we desire to be freed. I'm not going to get to read Ezekiel, but I want to read this. Then I'm going to end. This is the Hebrews 9 scripture. There we go. When Christ came as high priest, he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then Will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? 
For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Basically, the author of Hebrews there is saying, look, there was this system in place, this old system, and people went through all this stuff just to find the freedom and the life from the sin that had accumulated. And God had created it. But then he said, enough is enough. My heart to worship, for my people to worship me, my heart to love my people is so great that I will make the ultimate sacrifice. And so in one sense, this ultimate sacrifice so that we can find freedom and life and power and hope. And so I don't want to be, I'm not, I'm like, I hope I don't come across too harsh. I don't want to make you feel guilty right here. But but this is the reality. Whenever you choose not to worship on a regular basis, you're basically saying, you know, God, I recognize all that you've done, but it's just not for me. I'd still kind of like to hold on myself. I'd still like to run my life my way. Do you really not have enough time in your day? Is there really not enough? To acknowledge the sacrifice that's been made so that you can find freedom? I mean, just get rid of the benefits that I'm talking about. The freedom and the healing and the life that's come to me personally, but to to many of us as we worship. Today, people weeping and crying and laughing as God's ministering to them. Forget all that. As a believer, as a loyal servant to the king, ask yourself the question, am I too busy to acknowledge that? Is my life so filled up that I'm not going to bow, bend my knee in adoration as the scripture tells me to? Because if your life is that filled up, odds are you're worshiping yourself. I mean, there's not any other way to paint that picture, I don't think. And we all struggle with that. The great news is we're all forgiven for it too. In the Old Testament, God would just kind of blow away, you know, destroy the nations that were you know, worshiping an idolatry. Thankfully, the wrath of God no longer rests on us, but rests on Jesus, the one who died for us. And so I would say that this morning is a great morning for River City Church to repent of idolatry. This morning, if your heart and your desire is to experience the power of God, the living God in your life, the freedom that he offers, I would say this morning is a good morning for you to repent. To come before the Lord, and that word just means to tell him I'm sorry. Help me find space in my day to bow and adore you. That's what we are created for. And it's not until we minister in the inner court that we come near to God that he is able to empower us to minister in the outer courts, truly empower us with his spirit. And again, it's not cause and effect. God chooses to use me when I'm not worshiping him. And I don't understand that all the time. But if you're hung up, if you're tired of plugging through life and not having any impact for the kingdom, the first place I would look is are you worshiping God on the inner court? Are you ministering to the Lord, coming before him just to bless him, just to adore him, and just to lay down before him? Well, that's a song, isn't it? Whoops. (laughs) That's where we begin. How does it go? I would sing it if I knew it. I would have sung that line. We have 10 minutes right now, and this is what we're going to do. I'm going to bring the worship team back up. We've already had a little bit of ministry, 
But I want to worship. I want to respond in worship today. We're going to leave the lights on, and we're just going to stay where we are. You can come forward if you want. You're welcome to come forward like we did. And we're going to create a ministry space where it's not going to be quiet. It's going to be worshipful. And again, remember what I said at the beginning of service. Worship is an act. It's adoration, right? It's adoration, and it's active. And so this is your opportunity to actively participate in worshiping God. That doesn't mean you've got to do the worship angel. That doesn't mean you've got to jump around. That doesn't mean you have to raise your hand. It's a matter of your heart. It's your heart. It's coming before God and saying, Lord, forgive me. I've been serving myself. I've filled up my day. I've squeezed you out. Forgive me. Forgive me. I worship you. I trust you. He loves that. He loves that. It would just surprise me if we all, if we started doing this on a regular basis in creative ways, that like stuff would not just kick off at River City Church even more than it already is. And I was thinking about practical ways as the band setting up that I'll just tell you that you can do this. One of the ways is if you have a commute, paint all the windows in your car so no one can see you in and crank the radio. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But you could tent your windows if you're a little embarrassed or whatever. Or not, whatever. On the way to work, turn your worship music on and worship God. You know, when you get to your office, if you have a private office, close the door and spend time in His word. You know, if you're spending time with your family, why not have a worship time once a week? Trying to teach your kids this value of worship. I don't, I mean, we're creative enough. God says, go into a closet. Go into a closet. If you're short on space, step into a closet where they're known as, shut the door and worship me and pray to me and spend time with me. It will look different for all of us because we're all, you know, we're all different. We're creating his image. They're looking for a song. And so, are you ready? So why don't we stand? Again, I invite you to come forward if you want ministry. We have about 10 minutes. But tonight, this morning service is about worship.